You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week. We hope week two is in the books. It's the first day of autumn, fall, depending on where you're at. Summer's still lingering a little bit here in the Northeast, but uh, we're feeling pretty good about things. We've got two guests today, so we're going to start right off the bat. Let's go to our first one right now. Joining us now, he's a six foot three, 197 pound cornerback, pride of Jack Britt High School and Palmetto Prep, as well as Fayetteville, North Carolina's own number two from the Broncos of Fayetteville State. Joshua Williams joining us now. How you doing, Joshua? I'm excellent. I'm excellent. How are you guys doing today? We are doing great. Obviously, I just said you're you're a corner, long, tall dude. What do you enjoy most about playing on the corner? Well, opposed to um, the position I used to play receiver, you know, you get to sit back and you see everything. Um, you can see, you know, what, what the offense is trying to do in certain looks. You know, you kind of get to have your own, I guess you could say, swag about it out there. Everybody plays corner differently, you know. Just the freedom of uh, being able to lurk around, you know, on the, on the edge, on the perimeter, um, and, and make plays, really. It really gave me that the love. Like, I always loved football. But when I moved to defense, it really ignited um, something inside of me, you know, a pride about playing the position. Does that give you an upper hand, Joshua, when, you know, you had experience playing wide receiver in high school and now you play corner, so you know what wide receivers are thinking and and what they're trying to do? Right. Well, um, I would definitely assume so. I'd like to think so because, um, you know, what I used to think I would attack or look for while I was at receiver. And now me being that corner, I can use that information and, and use it to my favor while I'm not there on the field. What would you say are your three main strengths? What are your three main traits that you bring to the football field? Well, first off, you know, me being a corner, I definitely believe I can cover and uh, press very well. Um, I'm physical, always willing to come up and make a tackle. Um, you know, I'm not just a one-dimensional guy. I don't just cover and not hit and I don't hit and I can't cover. It also brings me into my third trait, being versatile all around. Um, I try to be kind of a, a Swiss Army knife wherever the coaches, you know, need me, whether that's, you know, I used to sometimes play the uh, kind of the inside corner, the dime, you know. I, I really do it all. I try to be as versatile as I can be, help my team in any way possible. You're one of those corners that's not afraid to tackle. You know, we see so many corners on Sunday, forget about Saturday, on Sunday that are afraid to stick their nose in there. You're one of those guys that's going to come up and, and make a tackle. I guess probably my peewee coach, um, he definitely believed everybody needed to hit. So um, he got that out of was real young, and, and he also ended up being my coach uh, in middle school. So, you know, uh, <laughs> hitting has always been a part of the game, and you know, it's always been a part of my game, never shied away from it. It's part of the game. I love to do it. So let's give your peewee coach, middle school coach, a shout-out. What's his name? Uh, so his name was uh, Coach Kai. He coaches, I want to say, 71st now. And in high school, the crazy thing is um, I played against him. And my DB coach, uh, Coach Frierson, who also was a, uh, <laughs> a strong believer in hitting, you know, he was coaching me at the time. And, and it was just fun because, you know, that was the same coach I always had in Pee Wee and uh, middle school. And I get to go against him with uh, another great coach, my high school coach, um, Brian Frierson, who is now coaching at, uh, you know, one of our rival schools in the conference, Shawan Universities. So it's just a family affair there, All you know, everybody from Fayetteville. You mentioned Pee Wee and middle school and all these different coaches that you've played for. What's your earliest recollection of playing the game? I believe I was around 10 years old. Um, and this is my first time playing football. I was really excited because um, initially my dad was trying to sign me up for soccer because that's what he played growing up in Ireland. He finally signed me up, and I was playing defensive end. You know, that was my first the first football position I ever played was defensive end. After that year, you know, I, I've been run. I was a running back, a receiver, and um, I didn't play 
DB or even defense again until my senior year of high school. So you chose to stay home for college. You're, you're from Fayetteville, right? What right. makes Fayetteville so special to you? My dad was stationed on Fort Bragg, and um, we lived in Fayetteville, which is, you know, literally almost the same the same thing. And um, really, I'd say since I was about three, maybe four, I've been living here. All of my family um, lives in the area on my mom's side. You know, there's definitely some pride that comes along with it, staying home. I never, you know, complain about <laughs> my family not being able to make a game or something like that or, you know, if I need something, whether it be, you know, they just come check on me or, or bring in the grocery, whatever, you know, they're always here for me. And um, I believe that definitely helped me through this, uh, through college in general. Why did you decide to go there, though? Did you have any other offers in the area or somewhere else? I mean, did you have some maybe lower D1 offers or FCS offers? Why Fayetteville State? Like I said, my senior year, I moved to DB. Um, and before that, I wasn't really planning on going to, um, to uh, college in general. I was, like I said, I was planning on going to the military. I, you know, I find out late. You know, um, my test scores were good, but, you know, GPA-wise, it wasn't too late to get that up. So the only option was D2, and Favorite State just came back from the championship. Coach Holmes is the guy who recruited me. When I tell you, you know, he sold it to me, man. You know, being from Favorite, not too many people want to stay home, but he, he really did sell it to me. And I think it's one of the best decisions that, that's happening. Um, I thank God for putting me in the position I am today. Well, tell us about that coaching staff, because they seem to have turned the Fayetteville State around, and they've turned it into a winning program year after year over the past four or five years, and you've been a part of that. Tell us about your coaching staff. Right. Um, so the head coach, Coach Richard Hayes, um, is a great guy. He, he's really, you know, what you see, what you get, and he's blunt, but it's all love. He'll talk to you about football. He'll talk to you about life. They talk to you about literally anything. That might be um, one of the reasons we're just so ready to ride for him. He's a guy that really believes in the people he brings in. He's not just bring you in and, and if you don't form, boom, he gets no. He'll give you time and work with you. You know, I've had plenty of talks with um, Coach Hayes and not just the the whole coaching staff. Um, whether it be um, them telling me, oh, I should do this, work on this, whatever it can be to elevate my game. My DB coaches, I've had a couple since I've been here. Um, I've had um, Coach Vaughn, he, he, he's a DB coach at the Jets now. He's one of the guys who recruited me in. Coach Tate, he, he coaches at a rival school, St. Aug now. And um, now I have Coach Lott, and he's a real experienced guy. He played at Clemson. Uh, great dude. Um, and he's super knowledgeable, super knowledgeable about the game. And I feel like just this past year, this COVID year, and um, this summer, uh, giving me the opportunity to learn from these guys and and really get in my uh, playbook, you know, learn just football in general, learn what people are doing. These coaches, they've been here this whole time through this whole, you know, through this whole journey, and I appreciate it. So, Joshua, looking at your game, looking at some some highlights, you look like the classic, you know, like long, tall corner. Who do you like to watch? I guess trying to study other guys, whether they're in the league or still in college. or Is there anybody that you like to watch? Absolutely. You know, the corners I love watching, they're past guys. I love watching Darrell Revis. He's got to be one of my top two favorite corners, him and Champ Bailey. You know, just they were technicians. And, um, you know, I, I'm a long guy, and they're not necessarily considered big, long guys, but um, just the technique they used, how they, um, you know, just played the game, they, they really shut stuff down. So if I could use – uh, anything from their game added with my frame and my size, my speed, you know, I, I think I could be really successful. You know, there's also some present guys. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, he's a great corner. Richard Sherman, he, he's everybody's loved Richard Sherman and his other prime. So, you know, there's a lot of guys I watch and I try to collect information, um, you know, little tidbits from so I can add to my game. What is that speed for you, Joshua? Have you been tested at Fayetteville State? I mean, I know that they have uh, junior pro days and, and scouts come over and they measure you and, and sometimes the, you, yeah. you have to run a 40. Have you run a 40 recently? Uh, yeah, the fastest 40 I ran was um, this past fall the co in the COVID season. And uh, it was a 438. Hopefully, you know, I can 
just keep working and, um, you know, building my speed up. All right. So not only are you tall, man, but you're fast as well. Yeah, I like to think so. <laughs> Who has been the best wide receiver that you've faced over your career so far? Who gave you a, a tough time and, and what made him a tough matchup? I wish I could remember his name. There was a receiver at um, Shaw University. Uh, he wore number one in the 2019 season. Uh, he was probably the shiftiest guy that I went against. I don't know if he had a catch on the heat on me in general, but um, just covering him in general, it, it was it was a tougher task than than most guys just with his um, his speed. It was almost like a slot that he was on the outside. It definitely gave me, you know, just a little bit of, of um, not really a problem. I don't want to say a problem, but it, it gave me some work. I had my work cut out that day. Joshua, I, I noticed an article in your uh, local paper there that uh, at least 13 NFL scouts had been through to watch your team. Now, again, Division II team, it's not a huge school, but what does that tell you? I don't want to sit here and say they're just all here for me. You know, I have a lot of great teammates. Um, Elvin Delarosa, um, he's my safety. Kenny Merritt, Brandon uh, Barnes, Brown, they're all, you know, the whole secondary I think is um, a great group to watch. I'm sure some of them come and speak to me. I have good length, good uh, size. I run fast and jump high, so that might attract them a little bit. But, um, you know, I'm a humble dude. Um, it, it just tells me that some of the work that I've been putting in um, is kind of finally starting to pay off, and, and at least they're noticing a little bit and uh, taking the time to come see if the if the hype is real. <laughs> so. Well, you mentioned a lot of the physical attributes that you have and, and things that you've been able to accomplish in your career. Is there anything else that you would say, this will kind of put me over the top to be an NFL prospect? Well, I definitely want to, uh, you know, be all-conference, um, all-American, hopefully probably lead the uh, conference and picks and um, be one of the cornerbacks up there with the most tackles, too. That's, that's kind of my uh, goal. But as far as um, being recognized, uh, I just want to, you know, do my part, play my best, and help my team win. Um, you know, there's no real personal accolade that I'm just too stuck on getting. I just want to have the best season possible for me. And um, and I'm sure if I do that, then, then most things will just follow up and, you know, I'll get the recognition I deserve. You spoke to a scout today. What was the strangest question he asked? He actually didn't ask too many strange questions. Now, um, this is that's actually rare because most of them that come, through, you know, they have a lot of questions. But um, well, forget about the guy today. I mean, just of any yeah. of them, what was the strangest question you've heard? I think one of them asked if I had a girl, what sport she played, and uh, was she good <laughs> at the right. she played. <laughs> you know, that, that that was just funny to me. Um, she is good, by the way. I'd like to think so. So, But, yeah, that's probably the weirdest question. That's an interesting question. Usually they ask, like, has your dad or your mom played any sports in high school or college or something like that? I mean, Right, yeah. You know, I did those too, but that wasn't, you know, that was nearly as weird as that one. You talk about how you're a humble guy, but, you know, you've been named to the Senior Bowl. You've been named to the watch list, top 250 players are recognized before the season, and you were on the list. You know, the Senior Bowl has been a huge platform for small school guys. That's where all eyes are on you, and you get an opportunity to shine in, in Mobile, Alabama. And we saw a guy last year, Quinn Miners, who just took off and was a third-round pick. What does that recognition mean to you? I mean, are you honored to be mentioned among the best seniors in the nation? I'm definitely honored. Um, you know, I'm glad they took notice. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I still have to perform this season. Um, you know, I, I can't just sit there and uh, uh, just be happy about it. I got to take action, um, make plays this season. And um, hopefully, you know, I'm blessed enough to have the opportunity to go there and uh, show off my skills and, and my talent, you know, do what I do best. You've played two games so far this season. Both weeks you were named the CIAA DB of the week. Uh, what's next? Are you going to win that every week? Um, I would absolutely love to win it every week. Me just going out there and playing my game, like I said, uh, and, and listening to Coach Light and Coach Hayes uh, and, and Coach Anderson, my defense coordinator, just whatever game plan they, they draw up, whatever coverage we're, we're trying to focus on that week, if I go out there and do my best, um, I'm sure I could um, at least win a few more, 
and, and hopefully, you know, all four of the DBs on our team could make it. So um, if we play our best, I'm sure every every single person that's secondary could be on that list from uh, Brandon to Kenny to, um, you know, De La Rosa. So, you know, that's that's our plan going into to the game. Uh, this season, the defense is running more man coverage, press man, or are you guys more of a zone team? Uh, when I came in, we were more of a, you know, press man team. Uh, but this year we've been running more zone and um, that just being more versatile in general, I feel like making us at least less predictable and, and hopefully, you know, we can take advantage of that and, uh, you know, I can sit back there and catch some more picks. All right, let's get to know you a little bit off the field. What would surprise people who don't know you personally about you? I mean, what sets you apart off the field? Of course, I'm going to say, but I think, you know, I'm a funny guy. I think people like to be around me. Uh, I'm not too stuck up. I'm I'll talk to anybody, you know, if you listen, I'll talk. So being a social guy, I'd like to hang out with teammates, uh, friends, family, whoever. Not really, you know, a guy who has to be by himself or, you know, I like to spend time with people and hang out. I like to just speak, talk to people. Who has been the biggest role model for you in your life and why? Uh, I definitely said my dad, um, like I said, he was my track coach, um, He's my Sunday school teacher. He raised me and my sister up alone, um, or me and my two sisters. And I, and I think, you know, just me seeing what he's done and, and how um, he made the most of his life uh, from being an immigrant and joining the Army to, to building a life for me and my sister and, you know, putting us both through college. I definitely, um, it, it's really just the inspiration. And it shows me um, if he can go through all the trials and tribulations he went through, that um, me and, and the things I go through, I should definitely at least be prepared to handle it and uh, make the best out of any situation I face. Where is your dad from? Where did he come from? My uh, dad's side of the family is from St. Kitts and Nevis. It's um, an island in the Caribbean, a small island. All right, uh, Joshua, thank you for spending a little time with us and telling us your story. Um, give a little shout-out. Tell our listeners where they can find you on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, uh, so my Instagram, Twitter, probably my TikTok, too. Everything is uh, J. Willie Official, J-W-I-L-L-I Official. And the next game is this Saturday against whom? Uh, we're playing against Virginia State at home. You know, we plan to come out there, and this is our first home game, so hopefully we can put on the show. All right, good luck on Saturday, and uh, hopefully we'll catch up with you down the road. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Good luck the rest of the way, Josh. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. You have a good day. All right. Thanks again to Joshua Williams there. We got a lot to get to, so let's uh, kind of give the roster here. Uh, we're talking a little bit about the Raiders just because, you know, 2-0. and They're at the top of the division. Now, the division's upside down. You've got uh, Denver and the Raiders at the top. bunch of quarterback injuries. Uh, we saw Terry McLaurin have another pretty good game Thursday night. And he's been coming an up-and-coming player, had a nice season last year. Is he going to be a top-10 receiver? We'll talk about that. Some kicker issues, of course, with all the close games. And, of course, our picks. And, yes, Alex is going to continue begrudgingly to make his lock picks. I got a feeling he's going to turn it around this week. The Raiders, Lou. John Gruden is feeling the heat. You know, Mike Mayock, his job is on the line this year, and it seems like one of those years that John Gruden is going to sneak into the playoffs finally. Look, I don't want to, like, overreact, but the Raiders... I think you just did. But the Raiders <laughs> did beat two very good teams. They did, yeah. previous years. And I'm not saying that the Ravens and the Steelers are going to make the playoffs, and maybe both of them won't. But this is the same Ravens team that just beat the Chiefs. All right? So... That tells you something. And and the Raiders came away with the win in overtime. And then, you know, they played against a very good Steelers defensive squad. You know, they had a nice outing as well. Derek Carr is playing really well. I mean, we got to start there. Because, I mean, Derek Carr has always been an enigma in this league. Most people don't put him as a top 10 quarterback. I don't. But if you look at his numbers, aside from the playoffs... Aside from those December games when it matters the most, he has been a good quarterback. And it seems like he's gotten more comfortable. He's gotten more weapons on the offensive side. And the fact that Josh Jacobs was out this game against the Steelers and they really didn't have a running game 
all they relied on was the passing game. I came away impressed with the Raiders, and that that's why I'm hyping them up in this AFC West division. Well, whenever you go on the road and win a game in the NFL, no matter where you go, it's a big deal. And going into Pittsburgh and winning is no small feat, right? I mean, we've got you know a team that's been successful through the years, and even in the recent past, last year they what they won their first eleven games. But I don't know that the Steelers have really fixed their their offensive problems i mean they didn't really do much against buffalo the first week but they won the game again defense special teams you know ben made a play or two okay great they still seem just not quite sure what they want to do offensively so again not to take anything away from the raiders and the high scoring game against the ravens the ravens versus the chiefs high scoring game so it can go either way I will say this, though. Derek Carr, I think, is a very good quarterback. Is he an elite quarterback? Maybe not, but he's just below that elite group, I believe, because he's played well. Now, the rest of the team around him, I don't think has been that good. But if you look at this year, the defensive line is doing some business. And Gakwe and Crosby are dominant on the edges. Hankins and Jefferson in the middle. Then you got Nassib and Farrell as kind of rotational guys coming in. And their offensive line, which we thought, and I'm sure everybody else thought, like, what are they doing? They're getting rid of all their good offensive linemen, but they've they've held up decently. I'm not going to get too excited one way or the other. Again, it's the Raiders. They got to prove it to me because at some point they're going to do something even more outlandish. They're going to drop games. But I like what Ruggs is doing, that he's kind of bouncing back from last year. I'm sure he's taken a lot of heat. I like what they're doing. I, I've always been a Gruden fan. But it is still the Raiders, so let's give it till like, I don't know, like through October before we start saying, hey, you know, they're, they're a playoff contender. That's my two cents. All right, Mr. Skeptical Man. I'll throw some stats at you. I mean, you mentioned Max Crosby and Ngakwe, and they accounted for 11 pressures against the Steelers. Crosby had six, Ngakwe had five. They each caused a turnover, even though they didn't come up with the sack. And it seems like that defensive line is putting pressure on the opposing offense. And they did the same thing against the the Baltimore Ravens. So the defense is rising to the occasion. I'm not sure about the back seven yet, but if you have a good defensive line, you're going to do all right for yourself. You mentioned Henry Ruggs. He made that huge play. You know, he finally, you know, was able to stretch the defense. That's what they brought him for. He scored that long touchdown. But, you know, there's a couple of other guys that have stepped up. I mean, Hunter Renfro is like Mr. Dependable on third down. I mean, he's already like one of the best slot wide receivers in the league. And this guy gets open, you know, he just creates separation. And Darren Waller, I mean, we know his story as well. So Carr has the weapons, the guys that are stepping up. Again, Two very good teams from the AFC North, two very good defensive squads, and you got to give it to them. I mean, they're 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 still going to hang around. Will the Ravens and the Steelers make the playoffs? I'm not sure, so sure this year, but they're still going to be like around 500 for sure. I'm jumping on this Raiders bandwagon. I actually thought that John Gruden might do some things in year four, because I mean, God, I mean they they've choked uh, the last couple of years and. They basically gave it away last year in December when they were chasing a playoff spot. I think he's got a more complete team, and I think he knows how to utilize those weapons a little bit better. I think the Raiders are going to be one of those teams from the AFC West that makes the playoffs, and it looks to me right now that it's going to be three teams. I'm still going to go with the the Chiefs. The Broncos, just because I picked them in my preview, and I'm jumping on the bandwagon here with the Raiders. I say the Chargers do miss the playoffs. Okay. Well, I think you know where I stand on the Chargers and those other two teams in the AFC West. Until I see it, you know, until I see, you know, big pressure games as we get into the season, if they perform at those levels, and yeah, maybe. But at this point, it's very early. Uh, speaking of early, we've had, you know, quarterback injuries in week two, and a bunch of guys are going out. Two is out with a rib injury. And we saw Andy Dalton leave the game uh, against Cincinnati early with a knee injury. Carson Wentz somehow sprains both ankles on a play. But again, it was uh, number 99 for the Rams. So just about anything can happen when you try to face off against him. 
Tyron Taylor's out with a hamstring for Houston. Then we hear, I guess, yesterday or the day before that uh, Big Ben is kind of has a pec situation, which you hope it's not torn. I mean, usually you see a guy with a torn pec, they're done for the season. So you hope that's not the case for the Steelers. But again, their coach is, I mean, he's very tight-lipped. Obviously, Mike Tomlin, he doesn't really give away too much with good reason. But anyway, we'll see what happens with Big Ben. But these teams are scrambling now. So you're going to have Jacoby Brissett in Miami. Uh, I guess one of the positive things here is, and again, you hate to see it on an injury, but the Bears might get kind of a, a free shot with Justin Fields and they can still play that, well, when Dalton's healthy, he's our number one quarterback. But now they get to see, you know, a little bit what Justin Fields is without rushing him out there, right? He has to go in now. So I don't know what Jacob Eason is going to do with Indianapolis. Uh, I don't feel it. You know, I, I don't see that really working out very well for them, especially this week going into Tennessee. Houston, what do you make of them? I don't know. Which one of these situations are you really, really concerned about? Well, I'm going to say with the Colts. I'm not saying Carson Wentz is rewriting history with them, but I'm not saying he's lighting it up. I mean, he's still taking those sacks, and, and he's still not coming up big in those pressure situations. But Carson Wentz is a lot better than Jacob Eason. Jacob Eason has never started a regular season game. So I think the Colts are in trouble. They're 0-2. Jacob Eason is going to start. He's in his second year. And they're facing, you know, their rival, the Tennessee Titans. If they go 0-3, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, their season might be over because it's going to be like an uphill battle thereafter. Hallelujah with the Chicago Bears. I mean, Matt Nagy is is one stubborn son of a gun. I don't wish it on anybody, but I'm glad he's down and we're going to get to see what Justin Fields can do because he acts he adds an extra dimension. The Bears did win last week's game. So, I mean, you you got to give it to him a little bit from that regard. A win is a win. He didn't look pretty, but he gives you an extra dimension with his feet. He can pick up yards, you know, running the football, and that's huge in today's game. I don't think Andy Dalton is getting back anytime soon. If Justin Fields wins games, there's no way Matt Nagy is going to go back to Andy Dalton. I mean, if he does, again, fire him right there on the spot. He is just not a head man in this league. So, hallelujah with the Bears. I liked what the Texans were doing with Tyrod Taylor. I mean... Tyrod Taylor is probably the most unfortunate man in the entire league. I mean, he's been picked as the guy with the Buffalo Bills. He's been picked as the guy with the Chargers. Now with the Houston Texans, he just can't stay healthy. But the Texans have really impressed me. Well, the Browns too, wasn't he? He was the number one guy before they put Baker in. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Tyrod Taylor has been like, he's just had some bad luck out there. But the Texans offense was clicking in the first half when he was in there. And it's unfortunate that he's going to be out. And obviously starting a, a rookie quarterback like Davis Mills is, is going to be a tall order. So I think the Colts are the one team that, that's really in trouble here. Quick thought on the Bears real quick, because I think everybody has like assumed that Nagy and Pace are fighting for their jobs this season. I mean, look at it a little bit different. Perhaps they actually are getting like a, like a mulligan year. Right? Maybe they're they're just getting a freebie here because they want to wait until Justin Fields is quote unquote ready. So they really can't be judged on this pick until one, they believe he's ready, and then he gets to play and they see what the results are at that point. So it almost appears the way things are laying out that they're really sticking with this Andy Dalton storyline that he is the starter, maybe they don't feel the pressure. Maybe the pressure's not there. Maybe they wait till next year, and that'll be the, the referendum for them when Justin Fields is the starter all the way through. Just something to think about because it just seems so, if we were right and everybody else was right, and they are fighting for their jobs, that I believe Fields would would have been in there from the get-go. Maybe there's something a little bit more at play there in Chicago. So I anyway. disagree possibility because of the because of the way they've talked about it leading up there and they and keep insisting that and i don't think that's coming straight from from naggy maybe there were some assurances made when they when they signed dalton and then all of a sudden they get gift wrapped a deal to go get justin fields 
that could be the case because there's no other real reason to not play him. Except that they're dumb. There's a lot of stupidity in this world, and it goes all the way to the coaching staff with the Chicago Bears and, and the GM. When you give up the farm to go up to get Justin Fields, that signals that you really like him. And I'm not saying that he has to start because, I mean, the 49ers also gave up the farm to go get Trey Lance. Well, San Francisco gave up a heck of a lot more. I mean, they just moved up nine spots, and it actually wasn't that much. But they made it known, the San Francisco 49ers have made it known that Trey Lance is not going to play this year. And, I mean, only for the stupid people out there that think Trey Lance is the better quarterback than than Jimmy G. Maybe he gets a chance if the 49ers don't win. But right now, they're winning. They're 2-0. If the Bears go 5-12, Lou, you fire the entire squad. And there's going to be a new quarterback's coach, a new head coach, and a new GM that's going to inherit Justin Fields. I'm almost certain of it. The Bears almost have to win just as many games as they won last year. I'm not saying they have to make the playoffs, but Matt Nagy can't have like a 5-12 and or 6-11 and season. If they do, and he doesn't play Justin Fields, there's going to be another sheriff in town that, that's going to inherit the, the former Ohio State Buckeye quarterback. Yeah, again, that remains to be seen. But I think, like I said, I mean, another point of view and just looking at this from a, from a different angle, I'm just repeating myself, but the, I guess the point is that I just believe that, one, if they thought he was ready, he'd be out there. Two, that maybe they've got some assurances that this year is, is more of a developmental year for Fields and that they will get a shot to coach and general manage him and the rest of the team next year. But yeah, I mean, if they they do crappy, you would think that he'd be gone. But again, with these older franchises and like the 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 older ownership, the old guard, where the you know McCaskey's Hallis family still is in charge there, they do things a little bit differently. They haven't had the success of the Steelers, but I think the mentality is the same. I mean, the Fords in Detroit. You know, it's just a little bit different. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. I mean, I don't know that I would do that. I would probably go look to make a change. Uh, okay, McLaurin, top 10? Can we really say that? I'm, I'm not buying that. Not at this point. Well, you're not buying it because the, of the Washington quarterback situation. Before they had Ryan Fitzpatrick, he gets injured. Now they have Heineke. But McLaurin is a top 10 wide receiver. He's just, well, here's a stat, just real quick, as far as the quarterbacks are concerned. He has played in 32 games. There have been 10 quarterback changes. Now, they've been the same guy in a few cases, but not 10 different quarterbacks, but 10 quarterback changes in those 32 games. Basically, just, every third game, they switch. Amongst all that, he's put up good numbers. But there's so many good guys, though. I don't know how you can be. It's hard to put him ahead of some of these other guys. I'm not saying top five. I'm saying top ten. He's a really good route runner. He creates separation. He's got good speed. He gets open in those tight quarters. And we don't have another guy on on the Washington team except for Logan Thomas. That you know he doesn't have a guy opposite of him. So yeah, they're missing Curt. They're missing Curtis Samuel a lot. I mean, it would be nice to see him. You know, in there, what they can do with him. You know, jet sweeps, everything else, and just being a number two receiver through. You know, two seasons or two more games here, he has 160 receptions for over 2,200 yards and 12 touchdowns. He's not a big touchdown guy, but he's just clearly, that that just makes his numbers look that more impressive based on what you said, that they change quarterbacks every, you know, third game out there. Get a real quarterback in there. I think McLaurin is going to explode. I'm really excited what he did last year. He went over 1,000 yards, had 87 receptions. The man is on fire right now, and again, doing it with Heineke and playing at a high level, yeah, there are a lot of good guys in this league, and we usually get hyped up and, uh, you know, we're hostages of the moment right now. We get taken and Well, you, you got Park, Parker, Hill, Hopkins, Diggs, A.J. Well, Brown. Hopkins is a top five guy. A.J. No Brown, uh, Mike Evans. Curtis Godwin, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Calvin Ridley, DK, uh, Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson, Amari Cooper. I mean, there's a bunch of guys that I think are ahead of him. Now, can he? Will he? I think he absolutely will in his career. It's you know within the next couple of years. And again, I think a big key, and I agree with you, is they have to get something settled at the quarterback position or otherwise, again, his 
production is going to be a little spotty because of that situation. But yeah, I, I believe in him. I'd love to have him. I drafted him on both my fantasy teams as wide receiver too. I'm always like skeptical of guys that break out as seniors. That's my pet peeve. Like he played on a really good Ohio State Buckeyes team. He had very good wide receivers ahead of him, but he broke out as a senior. He went to the Senior Bowl. He lit it up there. He showed his character. Now apparently he is. At that time, he impressed scouts and teams with his professionalism, with his work ethic. Again, I'm always weary of guys that break out as seniors. It's just, it's always been my pet peeve. And so Terry McLaurin, I I crossed him off my list, even though he had a good senior year and he had a very impressive senior bowl and he tested well. And, you know, he went on day two. He wasn't like a first round pick. Washington definitely struck gold and, and I was wrong in my evaluation. Scary Terry. Love him. Everybody knows the, there's a very fine line, razor thin line in the NFL between winning and losing. And in a lot of cases, it comes down to the kickers. There was a bunch of close games this weekend. Some guys came through. Some guys, well, one guy in particular, not so much. Much to Alex's demise there. But I think it was the other way around. You had, you had Arizona in that game, right? I did have Arizona, but they didn't cover. They didn't cover. But what happened is I'm watching the game, and I see that the Vikings are getting out there for a field goal. I took a bathroom break because I thought they were going to make it. You know, this this wasn't like a 37-yard field goal indoors, so nothing to worry about. This is a a layup. I thought they were going to make it. I took a bathroom break. I came back, and then the game turned off. And then I see the score, and the Cardinals won the game. And then I started hitting you up on Twitter. I was like, Lou, tell me, what happened? I mean, I missed it, you know? The radio guy thought he made it. And then kind of caught himself. Or that audio has kind of gone viral in the last few days where the radio guy thought he made it. And then it was wide, right? It wasn't even close. But you had some game winners, too. On the other, on the flip side, you know, Dustin Hopkins, after a second chance, kind of a, I don't know if it was a penalty or not, but he got a second chance to make his kick. Zerline hit a 56-yarder, which, I mean, maybe for another show, but Dallas's kind of clock management there at the end of the game was kind of suspect to leave the guy with a 56-yarder to win the game. Now, it was tied, so worst case, they go to overtime. And then, of course, Bullock came back after missing uh, some kicks or was kind of struggling throughout the game to win an overtime in Seattle, which, again, Seattle kind of mismanaged the end of their game. So these guys, week in, week out, can you rely on them? Can't you? I mean, if you don't have... You know, Justin Tucker, if you don't, uh, Bass in Buffalo, McManus in Denver is a good gold in San Francisco, uh, Butker in Kansas City, uh, Lutz when he's not injured in New Orleans, pretty clutch guy, uh, Koo in Atlanta is, is, has really come on to be a clutch guy, uh, Graham Gano. I mean, just a few names to throw out there, but it's so important, but you know, again, you don't want to spend a lot of your salary cap money on a kicker. It's a revolving door for most teams, and it's just so frustrating to see the end of the game. You know, guys have battled forever, and you know it's down to a single kick. And the Chiefs didn't even get a chance to to get that last kick. So we could have seen Butker could have made our list one way or the other on the last second. But that's, I don't want that, to talk about the Chiefs. Lou. I think I mean, that's, that, that's really disappointing. I mean, what, what happened there? I don't even want to talk about this. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire let me down. Um, it was, you know, yeah, it's one, his only fumble. I don't know how many games has he played. I don't. It was care. a great. It was a great play by Owe, the rookie from Penn State. Yeah, it, it's bad. You don't. You know, in that spot, you got to have two hands on the ball. I mean, I'm not going to make excuses for him. He shouldn't have fumbled, but he did, and that was the ball game. We have a second guest today. Let's go ahead and, and bring him in. All right, joining us now is a uh, reigning conference defensive player of the year. He is an FCS preseason All-American, six foot two, two hundred and thirty pounds from the Citadel. Willie Eubanks the third. Willie, how you doing today? Doing good. How about you? Doing great. Feel good today. Last day of summer. Actually, no, it's the first day of fall, but it seems like a summer day yeah, here. Fall. You're in what, South Carolina? What's what were things like there today? Actually it's a little it's a little hot for it to be the first day of fall, but pretty sure I could allow it to cool down a little bit. 
All right. Well, let's get into football. If you were, can recall, what were the circumstances surrounding the day that you really learned that I love this game? I'm going to play this game forever. Circumstances probably had to be maybe when I was like 10 or 11. I was playing O-line at the time, but a running back had got hurt from a Pot Warner League team, and they had moved me to running back. I want to say not my first run, but like throughout the game, I just kept just having good runs, and then one play I broke for like 75 yards, so I knew at that time that's when I knew I loved the game for real. All right, tell us what led you to the Citadel. What were the main reasons that you chose them out of high school? Well, the Citadel was like, I want to say like my second school to offer me. Throughout the whole recruitment process, they were just always in touch with me. She came down to visit me sometimes throughout the year, and when I came on my official visit, um, it just felt like a place I wanted to be at for my, my next four years here, so committed on the after my official visit and just stuck with this school ever since. So you mentioned that you played running back before. Did the Citadel want you to play running back or linebacker? They offered me for linebacker, but um, the head coach, he uh, joked about me playing running back at times when I first got here. All right, so for our listeners that may not be fully aware of the Citadel, it's, it's a military college. So describe a typical day, especially during the season for you. Well, now I'm a fifth-year grad student, so I don't have to stay on campus. But when I was on campus, typical day, you'll wake up around like 6 to 6.30. Um, have like a 6.30 formation you have to be at. And then you don't have to wear a uniform each day. You know, just rules and things you have to follow that you wouldn't have to do at a regular college, I'll say. After football, what are your plans? Obviously, you've been at the military college. Do you want to continue serving your country, or do you want to pursue something else? After football, I probably plan on just um, wanting to open up my own business, I would say. I'm thinking maybe like a training facility or uh, maybe open my own restaurant, I would say. Your opening week game was against Coastal Carolina. They're a team that, that won the Sun Belt last year. How good is this team, and were you impressed by them? The team is pretty good. Um, we knew going to the game, they'll be good. I'm just glad guys are returning from the previous um, Sun Belt Conference Championship team. Yeah, the offense was um, very fast-paced and very difficult to adjust to if um, everybody didn't have their eyes in the right place. And they also had a pretty good defense, so yeah, they had a very good squad, I'll say. Again, we mentioned that, you know, the Citadel is a military college. Uh, you guys have VMI this week, obviously, Virginia Military Institute. They call it the Military Classic of the South. How is this week different from the rest of your schedule? This week just means a lot to both teams, I'll say. Uh, one, it's a trophy on the line for the game, so I get some guys with a little more motivation. It's a rivalry game. Both teams are military colleges, so most of the guys go through the same thing each and every day, so that hard nose uh, physicality is um, always on both sides of the ball. For us, it's our first conference game, so this will definitely be, give us a little more motivation as well. So I think most people, they have an idea, and they, they watch like Army and Navy play, just kind of what the scene is like, you know, both, you know, the core of cadets. You've got the, both academies, you know, march in formation and so forth. Is it that kind of feel in that game? Yeah, I know. Usually they bring that core cadet down, and um, we always have all that game, so that kind of feel in our face. Put your scout hat on, if you will, and give us a scouting report for Willie Eubanks III. Just a guy that's going to always be around the ball, trying to make a play, honestly. Physical linebacker, speed, and sideline to sideline speed, and very um, rangy in coverage as well. What was the focus for you during the, the last offseason, and what do you think you improved upon during your training? This past offseason, I was out in the training facility working out, and um, my main focus was just trying to get faster and stronger and just be more fluent in my movement and things like that throughout the beginning of this, throughout the, well, throughout the course of the season. What's the highlight of your career when you look back? Could you go back during your time at uh, the Citadel and pick out a game or a play or a season that really stands out so far? I'll say probably the highlight of my career was when we beat Georgia Tech my junior year. That's my first FBS win at this school, so. Uh, tell us about that game. I think it was the last second field goal, right, that you uh, yeah. you nailed, right? Yeah, it was a um, field goal in um, overtime. They got the ball first in overtime, and we ended up um, stopping them, and they kick and miss. So once we got on offense, we were just 
Um, we knew we had a good kicker, so we'll all, all go what's this up. Hold on to the ball and get, get the kick as close as possible and just put the faith in him, and he did what we had to do. Take us inside your mind, Willie. Obviously, you're a linebacker. I mean, you're the 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 captain, the leader of that defense. Before the ball is snapped, what are the tendencies that you're looking for from the offense? Before the ball is snapped, I'm just looking at first. I'm looking at the um, running back stance. Um, most running backs have a tendency, like to give with their stance to give it away if they're going to get the ball or you know they're blocking. And after I'm looking at the running back, I'm looking at the old lineman. How how much are they on their heels or on their um, hands just to see if it's going to be up a pass or a run just to see what kind of block they're going to give. After I look at those two reads, once the ball is snapped, I'm just reading my keys and just reacting to the ball. When you hear the term or the word or the acronym NFL, what does that mean to you? A dream job, to be honest with you. I just grew up my whole life wanting to play um, football especially play at the highest level I can. So whenever I have NFL, I just think it's like a dream job, or the job I always wanted. What position do you think you would play if you're drafted? I feel like most teams probably project me as like an outside um, linebacker um, or inside linebacker, depending on just the defensive scheme. Because the game has changed and just the way that positions have changed, being like that dime linebacker, could you think you'd be good enough or you'd have the, the ability to drop back in coverage on most plays? I feel like um, if a team wanted me to be like a dime linebacker and, you know, put me in for like pass coverage and things like that as well, I feel like I could, I would definitely exceed that, that position too. All right. Now, it seems like the game just in general, the rules is geared to favor the offensive side of the ball. Just every whether it's college pros, they want to see more scoring. What's your philosophy on defense specifically? What do you, what is it that you guys are trying to accomplish? I know for my our defense, here at the city, um, we work on trying to be plus one and take away. So um, if the team has one takeaway, we try to get two takeaways, always trying to get the ball back to our offense and let our offense feed off short, short field position and things like that. Okay, and just last one here. I mean, there's a big uh, rule change, if you would, or and it could have a huge impact with name, image, and likeness. What, what's your thoughts on NIL opportunities for college players at this point? Great opportunity. Uh, most guys sign some good deals um, with some companies around the, around the world. You know, just allowing them to get their name and just allowing them to um, get compensation off, you know, their name and likeness, which I feel like is a good thing for college athletes. So this is the first year for it, but I feel like in the years to come, it'll definitely be a game changer thing. Well, it's VMI week, big week for you guys. So want to give you uh, a, a nice go get them before you go. Yeah, if you can give our listeners a way to find you on social media. My, my Twitter handle is um, I am underscore, underscore, um, W-E-3, and my Instagram handle is Willie E underscore 3. All right, sir. Good luck the rest of the way. Good luck this week. Hopefully we'll see you in the NFL. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you guys again. Here we go with the picks segment. Let's go quick and dirty here. Last week I was 1-2. and two. Again, the Panthers came through for me, but the Chargers, not so much, and the Browns did not cover the spread. Even my fantasy pick was kind of a, a, oh, by the way, you know, Chase Edmonds, I think I said Trey Edmonds, maybe should have taken Trey Edmonds. I probably would have gotten you the same amount of points. But anyway, real quick, this week, I'm going to go, and this looks really obvious, but I'm going to go with it anyway. New England at home, minus three over New Orleans. Jameis Winston kind of came back to earth against the Panthers. I think New England's defense is playing very well right now, and they'll have a lot for him to kind of gurgitate through the game, and I just don't think he's going to do well against the Belichick defense. Another one looks way too obvious, but again, I'm going to go with it anyway. These are normally the ones that you lose. Tennessee's only given five right now to Indianapolis. You more than likely you're going to see Jacob Eason at quarterback. It's in Tennessee. Got to go with them. And then on Sunday night, this is a tough one. It's only because I picked them to go to the Super Bowl and that Kyle kind of owns uh, Matt LaFleur. I'm going with San Francisco, minus three and a half over the Packers. That's my three. My fantasy picks, I would say, you know, for wide receiver, I think look for Jamar Chase to have a big game against the Steelers. Or if you have a quarterback injury, Daniel Jones... Eh, it might be a sneaky one this week. So 
Those are my picks, fantasy and games. Alex, lock of the week, baby. Daniel Jones? Are you kidding me? Not the way they're operating that offense under Jason Garrett. Forget did about you, it. Did you Stats notice how many way. fantasy points he had against the against the Washington football team? Well, he finally didn't turn the ball over, but he can't do it two weeks in a row. It's just that's not going to happen. All right. Are you against, sure? Yeah, it was against your Washington team, Lou. That's yeah in the playoffs now. I mean, that's that's not happening. I'm going to go with the team that will make the playoffs from the NFC East, the team that will win that division, a team that's been better on the defensive side of the ball. Even though they lost to Marcus Lawrence, they put Micah Parsons at defensive end, and he was just getting into the backfield. They found their X factor on defense. It doesn't matter where he is, linebacker, defensive end. They can put him at safety and corner, and Micah Parsons is going to get it done because he's got 4-4 speed, and he's just an athletic freak. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys, minus four, on Monday night against the Eagles. And frankly, I think this is going to be a blowout. Usually the Cowboys on Monday night are on the other end of the stick. They're usually losing, but that's not going to happen this week. They've had two close games, but I think they're going to cover this by at least 10 points. And the Cowboys will be in first place, running away with it, just the way it should be. Again, Lou doesn't believe in the Cowboys, but I do. I do not. Just Mike McCarthy has got to do better managing the clock. I mean, there's some bonehead things that he's been doing and putting his kicker out there, Greg Zerline, to try to get that 56-yarder, which he did. And his explanation afterwards, I mean, that really pissed me off. I mean, Mike McCarthy shouldn't be a head coach in this league. But Dak Prescott... You know, they've got those wide receivers, CeeDee Lamb. That should be your fantasy guy right there. Start him. I mean, he's clearly becoming like a number one, number two wide receiver, and he's scoring you a lot of points. Not so Take far this Cowboys. year. Take the Cowboys minus four <laughs> over the Eagles. By the way, Daniel Jones plays against the Atlanta, and we'll call it defense. I think it's just the guys that come on the field when the other team has the ball. We'll just call them that for now. But uh, anyway, we'll see what happens. It's all in good fun, Alex. Take it easy. Let's not overreact too much. That's our week two show. Anyway, gang, thanks for listening. Please go ahead and subscribe. Uh, you've got all sorts of options there when you subscribe at Megaphone. For Alex, I'm Lou. Peace!